these are just tremendous uh, testimonies and being a witness. No matter what season that you're in, we do ask, especially if you're part of this community, if you're a member, uh, at least one time, we want you to try to go out in short-term missions. Uh, you have no idea what God has in store uh, for you. So uh, very, very uh, excited, and thank you for uh, the, the story uh, sharing today, Steve. Um, we're going to be continuing on with our sermon series. This is the last sermon series regarding faith, Faith Forward, our theme this year. Um, and uh, we are looking at, we are looking at uh, fruits of this. So the whole year throughout 2019, you know, we're pursuing after faith, right? Faith forward and you know, growing, cultivating our soil, faith and relationships, how to grow our faith and all the dimensions of faith. And we're finally in November, these last two weeks, we're going to close out the theme of faith. And um, we're going to look at what does a mature picture, mature faith might look like. And, and uh, we're going to close it out. Then December, um, from December 1st Sunday, we're going to head into the Advent season. So getting ready for Christmas already. Wow, Christmas. Uh, so today, um, as I was thinking about faith and um, what, how should we close this portion, the passage that came to mind was regarding John the Baptist, which is kind of interesting because it's not a Christmas sermon, but you know, usually we talk about John the Baptist during Christmas, so it's kind of awkward, but anyways. Um, and for me, when I think about Christmas, I think about John the Baptist. It's kind of a little weird, but a couple of years ago, I was studying the whole Advent season, and one thing I noticed was this. There are four Gospels, there are four books in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that talks about the story and the life of Jesus. Did you know the four Gospels, the Christmas narrative of Joseph and Mary are not told in all four Gospels, right? Like, for instance, like Book of John doesn't even mention anything about Mary or, John or, or, or Joseph. Uh, the story of the wise men or, you know, people following the star or the shepherds, it's not in all four of the Gospels. There are portions and parts of the uh, Christmas narrative we just assume. And the symbolic things that we think about Christmas, for instance, are these stories, but it's actually not there. Uh, but I'm going to tell you who's there in all four of the books regarding the Christmas entry is John the Baptist. So a couple of years ago when I was studying John the Baptist, I thought it was so powerful. God's intentionally making a point yeah, Christmas narratives, the good, you know, fuzzy, these stories are awesome, but there's someone, there's something that perhaps is much more significant and important, and this is the story of John the Baptist. And four Gospels, it talks about it, the beginning, the, the, you know, the leading in, ushering in of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's not a Christmas sermon today, but uh, for some reason, John the Baptist came to mind, and quickly we're going to look at three dimensions of John the Baptist, I believe, that sets him aside, sets him apart uh, in, his, in, his, is ringing, in his spiritual life, in his spiritual maturity. There, there, uh, there are three things. So these are the three I's, okay, the letter I, three I's uh, of the life of John the Baptist. Today's passage, Luke chapter 7, is it ringing? Luke chapter, Luke chapter 7, 24 to 28, uh, Jesus is testifying 
Jesus is proclaiming regarding John the Baptist. Uh, after John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What do you see? What do you see in the wilderness? A reed swayed by the winds? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes indulge in luxury or in palaces. But what did you see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. It's a a powerful statement. Jesus is actually saying, of all human beings born of women, there is no one greater than John. So as we look at the person of John the Baptist, there is a sense of... um, almost something that has been set aside, right? And as we look at the life of John the Baptist, there are these qualities that really sets him aside of his maturity, of his faith maturity, right? So again, I'm just going to narrow it down to three eyes. And the first eye is identity. John understood fully, was aware of who he was, and this anchors his narrative, Okay? So the strength of John the Baptist, the power of John the Baptist, I believe, it starts with anchoring in and of who he was, his identity. Okay, again, I told you there are four narratives, four gospels, and each talks about portions of John the Baptist. And I'm going to take a little, a few verses from uh, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 20. I don't know if you have this. Another portion of John the Baptist story, and it says this. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? John confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. See, the strength of John was his complete self-awareness, which links to understanding of his identity. John exactly understood who he was. This man who Jesus claimed to be the greatest person born of woman, what was his confession? What was his testimony? If you were to narrow everything about John, I I believe this is his statement. You know what it is? It's, I am not the Christ, as we see here today. John's confession is not some kind of a miracle or something spectacular. That's why, you know, John was the greatest born of woman. No. But it's in his understanding, awareness of who he completely was. The story of John the Baptist starts and is anchored upon the identity of who he fully was. And I think the first thing is that, the first I is, I want to talk about a little bit is identity. Uh, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, right? Identity is important, understanding is important. You know, for me, this past retreat, well, I hope, I know a lot of you guys were there. Dr. Chuck Davis, our speaker, spoke on authority, right? Authority, and he called us, you are princes and princesses and sons and daughters, and we need to live out our authority. He talked a lot about identity. One thing that really I took away from that retreat, encouraged my heart, was I don't know if you guys remember, but he talked about this thing about indicative and living out in imperative, okay? I took ESL, so I'm gonna let me, I'll explain you what that is, okay? 
you know, indicative is a mood, usually a verb, indicative verb, mood, where it talks about factual stuff. Okay? Indicative stuff. It's like factual, this is this, you know, the tree is big, tree is red, like factual stuff. Imperative is action, right? Imperative is request or a command. Did you know when you study the scriptures, God always, always comes after in the indicative first, then he pursues the imperative. So what that means is he is more interested that we completely get soaked and rest in the indicative, factual things. You are my sons and daughters. You are beloved. I die for you. I love you. I am happy for you. I'm excited over you. Even this moment, I know exactly who you are. You are the apple of my eye. You have a plan. I have a plan over your life, future. All the truth, the identity, truth over your life, that's first and foremost his heart. He speaks that over all of us. Amen? Amen? Identity, that's what identity is. And when we embrace that and we rest in that, that's how we grow in, in our understanding of who we are. We're more aware now, right? We're, we're aware of ourselves, of God, of the truth of who we are. And exactly that's where, that's where we need to start in our faith. See, resting in our indicative truth empowers, empowers the imperative life. Okay? Resting in the factual statements of who we are, the identity piece, is so, so important because that's where the security comes. See, John the Baptist for me was one of the most secure person. I mean, if you, again, study the narrative of John the Baptist, he, like, curses out the Pharisees. He didn't care what people thought of him. He wore, like, weird clothes, ate locusts, and he goes to the desert and wandering. So secure, 100% comfortable, exactly who he was. Why? His identity, 100% he knew exactly who he was. I am not the Christ. I am just a voice in the desert preparing the way of the Lord. See, his Embracing his identity empowers the way that he lived. See, a lot of us, often we, we, we're kind of like, we switch this around. We try to live in the imperative, try to do things, serve, go, and all these things, we're busy, and we get frustrated when we don't do things or when things are not turning out. It's all about imperative life. Try to find success in imperative without first calming ourselves and resting and fully finding security in the factual imperative call of God. So I believe that uh, John the Baptist, one of his first and foremost, his strength, his maturity, uh, his spiritual maturity was of his understanding, grasping of his identity. Okay? So that's number one. Uh, number one, identity. Second I is... <laughs> growing in our integrity. Okay, integrity. Another section I want to uh, share, Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, another glimpse of John the Baptist. The description of John the Baptist in Matthew, Matthew is this. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, 
and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. Uh, every time I used to read this passage, you know, I would wonder why is the Bible so specific? Who cares what he ate or what he, how he dressed? Camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. I mean, is that significant, God? And when I used to read it, it came across as if it was about holiness. Wow, John was a holy man. He was one of those desert fathers, or like ascetic, you know, life set aside, just just fasting and praying. Those kind of that's the picture of John. But it was kind of interesting because this time, as I was restudying this passage and thinking about John the Baptist, this passage like really spoke back, and he taught me, you know, part of it, yes, holiness, yes, set aside, yes. But more than that is, I think this passage is all teaching us about John's integrity. Integrity in terms of being integrated. Everything about him regarding his faith, regarding Jesus Christ, had been integrated into every part of who he was. So even where he dressed, where he ate, where he lived, everything was even killed. There was no, so opposite of this integrity, integrated life is what? Is compartmentalized life. So when we're spiritually young, when we're just beginning to grasp Jesus, you know, Jesus comes to us to a certain angle, spiritual life, then it just goes to maybe one or two or three parts of our lives. Our lives are very compartmentalized. Sundays, when we're worshiping, when we're among brothers and sisters, you know, pursuing after God, God comes and everything is good. But when that spirit portion, spiritual portion, faith portion moves into, say, areas of finance, areas of certain relationships, no, don't go there yet, right? A lot of us, we live a very compartmentalized life. Your work life, you know, we're here today worshiping. Tomorrow morning, you're on the bus, go to the work. I know, because you guys post everything. <laughs> I see everything, right? Already, mm, smile is gone, okay, angry, just things sets in mentality. But I imagine, imagine a life that is fully just integrated. Just the Spirit of God come, every part of my life, Father, come and just come and just break it and shape it, and I want to have a holistic, integrated faith. See, that's integrity. Everywhere, shape and form, every place, any place, what do you do, what do you eat, who you meet, everything is it's the same. You allow the Spirit to come and move in and out. And I believe that this passage is really teaching us Another strength of John the Baptist, not only his security because of identity, but there is freedom. John the Baptist is one of the most freeing, freed person that you could, you could find. He's just free. There's like elaborate freedom over his life. Why? Way that we experience freedom is linked to your life of integrity. If there are hidden compartments, if there are areas compartmentalized and you're hiding or secretive or still not allowing the Lord to learn, you cannot be free. In principle up here, definitely Jesus freed us, right? We're free in the Lord. But that freedom to be experienced, experienced in everyday, real day life, it's about integrity. You have to allow that to come through every portion, every part of who we are. If there are still compartments and hidden areas or, or secrets or sin or whatever areas that we're not allowing, then you cannot be free. That's why, you know, when, when I meet people and sometimes people, you know, um, share their stories, 
what I, what I hear behind the story is that, Pastor Wonjay, you know, yeah, God's been working and moving, and I'm challenged, but I don't want to still let go. I don't want to go that way. Why? Because we're, we have these still pockets, compartments, and I'm not ready, Lord. I'm not ready to let go. But God's coming, and I'm afraid, but I don't want to do it. That's why you still live like this. Because you know, right? We know. So again, just like identity, integrity brings, is a key to unleashing freedom, a free life. I absolutely believe this. And we see this, I think, as another maturity, a spiritual growth dimension of John the Baptist. So identity, integrity, the last one is uh, intimacy. Uh, intimacy, you know, we talk about this often, right? Intimacy, we talk about it. You know, Christianity is not a religion, but it is a relationship. We have to grow in intimacy. Intimacy is everything. But intimacy tangibly, okay? So I'm going to go somewhat practical or real, realistically here. Tangibly, if we are to grow in intimacy with a God who we cannot see, what does that even look like? A God that we cannot hold? What does that look like? How do you grow intimacy with God? I mean, if it's like grow intimacy with your wife, okay, easy. You hug her, kiss her, I mean, whatever. Where it are, I don't want to talk about it. But you do stuff, intimacy with your human being. How do you grow intimacy with God? Because we talk about it a lot. What does that even mean? So for me, as I'm also on this journey, I am. I'm still on this journey, and I've been asking the Lord to grow me in this area, I, I definitely desire more. Initially, I, I was thinking intimacy only as connection. Okay, intimacy is connection, right? You, I want to connect with the Lord as much as I can. I want to stay connected. But then recently, God's been showing connection, yes, but also it's more than just connection. It's closeness. Intimacy is a... Is a, is a, is a, is a it's a route going towards a closeness. So it's not just staying connected. That's good. That's, you know, John talks about it. Pastor Tina talked about it last week, abiding in the Lord, very important. But Jesus is a lover. God's a lover. We forget that, right? Our Christian faith is not just about like a, like a, like a, some kind of like a systematic formula, do this and you'll be this. It's not like that. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a love thing. So God's not only... Just okay with, okay, you're abiding, you're staying connected. But he wants a closeness. And I think uh, when we think intimacy in that sense, then it's how do I cultivate to be more closer to God? I want to be a better lover of God and be loved by God. I want to feel closer. I want to feel intimate. How do, how do I do that? Uh, so the, this is, you know, different. Um, it's a homework. It's a, it's a way that God's been also teaching me. But I don't know, maybe just three ways or three kind of uh, thoughts that I had. One is, uh, in order for us to grow close, first it starts with growing in our awareness of God. Okay? So awareness. Um, when you are aware, begin to have awareness of God, I think a lot of, lot, lot of stuff changes. You know, when I was dating Lisa, way, way back, many years ago, um, 
you know, when you meet somebody, you fall in love, you, you kind of like, you know, you have this thing for these people, then uh, you begin to see things, right? You like, oh, you begin to notice things, and there's awareness. Uh, you know, I remember uh, when in seminary, we met in seminary, and, uh, and uh, first time I kind of knew I was in trouble, like, oh my God, something's happening in my heart, like, this girl's like something, was I noticed she didn't come to dinner. And no one noticed, but I noticed. Yeah, no one noticed. I was like, oh, shoot, she's not at dinner. Then I was like, Wonji, why are you thinking like this? What the heck, do you like her? Like, what's going on? But I was aware, right? Awareness piece. Because I'm interested and there's something now happening that I am aware where others are not aware. And I would ask my friend, hey, did you notice that Lisa was at dinner? She's like, what? She was there. She's like, no, she wasn't. Awareness. <laughs> so that's where it starts. The same thing with God. Same thing with God. I mean, think about it. Honestly, ask yourself. If you really desire intimacy, are you really aware of God? When, did you ever, when was the last time you really thought of being aware of God? Because Scripture says what? God is moving. God is living and active, even now, right now. He's talking. He's moving. He wants us. He wants to woo us. He, he's a lover. He comes up. To, he's not a God who created us and just leaves us. He's, he's much more active than we think. We're just not aware. Part of it is because we're not interested, because of our sin, because of all these other reasons. But starting point is hunger. It's his desire. It's interest. It's aware, being aware. Okay? So we start there. Then when awareness kind of takes place, then you, you gain interest. You gain the hunger. Okay, like, I want to be more sensitive. I don't know where my, you know, God is moving. Then the second area is attention. Okay? So once you're aware, now you go towards giving more attention. So when I noticed that this was happening with Lisa thing, um, I started to give attention to her. I noticed, found myself giving more attention. Wow, she's wearing a red sweater today. And she didn't wear socks, you know, like all these stupid things like attention, right? Giving attention. I noticed she doesn't like broccoli, whatever, like attention. It's just natural. After you're aware that you like attention comes. Um, same thing with God, okay? So we're now aware and you want that closeness. You're, you're hungering. You're aware that you begin to give attention to God and God things. The other side of this is we usually miss God or not have, have hindrance with this intimacy thing because actually you're giving attention to many, many other things. There are a lot of other things that's grabbing your attention away. Uh, you know, um, this, this week, just have a little confession this week, you know, Lisa and I were trying to buy a car, you know, whatever. And I'm one of those people, I know there's a lot of you guys out there, like when you get fixated on something, I have to buy a car, you have to do every type of research. I look at every side and tire size, like everything. I was just so giving everything regarding the buying of the car. Uh, again, repenting. Like I was in the office Tuesday or something, then I found myself clicking through car sales, internet, whatever, sales for like five hours. And while I was doing that, Time, I had no idea what time was, I didn't care. Just, just fixated. Everything about who I was, attention was on this, buying this car thing. And you know, when that happens, what happens? Everything else fades. You don't see anything, right? You don't notice anything, you don't see anything. That's kind of like what happens. I know some of you tasted this, so you know what I'm talking about, right? We, we sense God, maybe for the first time that God touches you, something happens, then you're aware. Oh, yeah, God is real. Then you, once you begin to give attention to God, all those other things, 
that before that encounter that you gave attention to starts to fade. It becomes tasteless, loses its taste. Uh, you know, a lot of us still, the attention is what? Like, like TV, Netflix, all the crap, all the junk. I'm not saying those things are good, bad, necessarily, but it's absolutely taking like 5, 10, 8, 12 hours a day. Think about it. Where is your attention going? Is it really upon God? Same thing. Okay? So whatever you're giving yourself attention to, that's, everything else fades, and you, you go, go towards that. Uh, then other attention, you, you can curb it. Because I'm not interested. Remember, it's about the affections. It's about love. How do you battle less love? You battle love with a higher affection, right? So if your kid is struggling with like a nasty little doll and you want to get rid of it, you give her a dog, a live puppy. Higher affection always trumps the lower affection, right? So whatever it is, like things that you struggle with, the best way is not to just try to stop these things, but you have to think about what's the higher affection. I mean, God is so much better, really. C.S. Lewis talks about this, right? We're just eating mud pies and we're happy, where there's a banquet. Think about it. Be aware of it. Really be aware of it. Because some, some of us were just stuck there and we don't even notice. Okay? Higher affection, give attention to the Lord, and you'll see more, you'll be more aware. Wow, God is, this, this is real. God is moving and things are happening and he's speaking to me and uh, things become more live. Like if you read scripture, the words will pop out. Uh, you know, stuff like that, things would happen. Then the closest part is once you have, have the attention, then you begin to really align yourself. So you're like, you know, there's these lines and world, you know, whatever other things, then you align yourself, Jesus. And you're lining up. And once you begin to align yourself, then that's when more things really open up. Because you're fully committing, Jesus, I'm, I'm staying with you now. You align yourself in that line, and you go towards the things of God. John the Baptist, again, identity is integrity and his growth in intimacy. We see this because even today, the passage, you know, Jesus never ever talks about another person like this. He actually pauses and he gives a word about John the Baptist. There is this, this, this connection uh, between Christ and John. Um, and Jesus gets baptized by John. Uh, and John honors Christ. Um, and it, this, this wonderful intimacy as, uh, uh, you know, uh, two cousins. We know that Bible teaches that they're cousins. Uh, in this life, uh, we see this pursuit. So uh, with that, as we close uh, today, uh, can we spend some time in prayer? I was like just feeling, I think we should pray a little bit today rather than just end. So I want to ask the worship team if you come up. But as we think about these three areas, 